Welcome to Putting the Real in Real Estate, the podcast about all things real estate, all things local, and all things life, where we hope to inform, entertain, and inspire. Hello and welcome to episode three of Putting the Real in Real Estate. I'm your host, Glenn Hawker-Smith. I want to thank you, as always, for spending time with us today. As I always say, time is your most precious commodity, and I certainly appreciate you spending some of yours with us. I hope you had a great holiday season, and I hope your new year is getting off on the right foot. I know mine is. Uh, the kids have gone back to school, the wife's gone back to work, and I'm starting to get back into a normal routine, which feels good. I hope that's the, that's the case for you as well. And on today's show, we are going to speak with Misty Stanley of Misty Stanley Coaching. She's a, a good friend of mine and um, a great mentor and a great coach and just an overall great person. So I think you're really going to enjoy the time we spend with her today. We're going to talk about goals here for a minute. Um, it's a new year, and uh, something I've learned from being in the real estate business is the importance of setting goals, setting real attainable goals, and putting them out there to the world so that you can have some accountability and you can be more likely to hit those goals. And we're also going to speak about that with Misty as well. And she's going to enlighten us a little bit on how the brain functions and, and uh, how we can get past some of the roadblocks that we set up for ourselves. So five goal setting strategies for real estate agents. This is pulled from an article on Riz Media written by Yazir Phelps. And let's get into it. Number one, make goals specific. A vague goal will never result in real progress. Therefore, the goals you make should be as specific as possible. For example, I'm going to make more money this year. Okay, well, that's a great goal, but it's not very specific. How much more money are you going to make? How do you plan on doing that? What are some things that you're going to implement in order to reach that goal? Number two. Make goals time-sensitive. Take the mushiness out of your goal setting with time-oriented goals. By adding a time element, you can create a sense of urgency and a deadline that will keep you on track for completion. So it's much easier to break your large overarching goals down into small goals that you can attain on a, a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. Number three, make goals measurable. In order to know when you've reached your goal, you have to be able to measure it. Whether you're looking for more clients, more listings, or more expertise, finding a way to measure the outcome helps you ensure that you're on track and identify the tasks you'll need to complete in order to succeed. So that's pretty self-explanatory. You really need to, to be able to measure your goals. Number four. Make your goals meaningful. You'll never be motivated to meet your goals if you don't identify a purpose and a meaning in their achievement. Know why you're setting those goals in order to stay enthusiastic and on task. So this goes back to one of the big things that you hear all the time if you're in real estate. Know your why. Why are you in real estate? Why are you doing whatever it is that you do? It doesn't have to be real estate. And... You know, once you know your big, broad why, then it's much easier to 
know which goals to set and how to implement those goals and have a reason, a reason to set a goal. There's no right answer. You know, everyone has different motivation, but there should be some reason for achieving your goal. Identify the why and you'll be more likely to keep moving forward. Number five, make goals buildable. Set small goals that build up to bigger goals in order to create a pathway to success. In other words, it goes back to, oh gosh, remember if you are a college football fan, Greg Schiano, he used to be the coach at Rutgers. As a matter of fact, I think he's the coach at Rutgers again. But um, back in the round 05, 06, 07, I think their big, their big thing was chopping wood. It's when you, when you go to chop wood or you go to chop down a tree, you don't walk up and take one big swing and boom, the trees come down. No, you have to take many, many swings and keep chopping away, and eventually that tree's going to come down. So I hope that is helpful to you. Once again, I'd love to hear about your goals. Uh, reach out to me, glennhockersmith at schulerbauer.com. Let me know what your goals are and how you plan on implementing those. One more thing before we get to our guest, I'm starting a new feature on the show. I hope to make it um, in every episode feature, and that is I am a huge fan of music, especially singer-songwriters, um, I love all types of music, but one of my one of my favorites is bluegrass, and that's what I'm going to be playing for you at the end of the show today. I would like to start featuring music from local artists. It doesn't have to be bluegrass. That's just what we happen to be playing today. Any type of music, if you are a singer, songwriter, or if you know someone who is, and you have permission or you have ownership of that music, and are able to give me permission to play it here on the show, send it to me. I would love to feature it on our outro. So without further ado, we are going to get to our next guest. My next guest is one of my favorite people I've met in real estate. She spent 10 years of her life teaching self-sufficiency skills to the homeless while helping them to become homeowners. As part of a two-year transitional program here in southern Indiana and her roles with the Salvation Army and LifeSpring. After that, she spent some time as a consultant, implementing similar initiatives across the state of Indiana, and also started selling real estate. After years of balancing both, and as a newly single mother, she took the team leader position at the local Keller Williams, where she spent the next five years knocking it out of the park. At the age of 41, she walked away from her six-figure income and CEO title to step out on her own to start Misty Stanley Coaching, where she's currently fulfilling her dream of being a life and business coach. Misty Stanley, welcome to the show, and thanks for spending some time with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. So I want to talk to you about several things today. I appreciate you coming in, and I hope we can get to everything. We may not. I may have to use that as an excuse to have you back on the show at some point in the future, which I, I hope to do. But first of all, I wanted to thank you for being a real inspiration to me and my business and helping me to set, meet, and surpass all of my goals in 2019. You've been a real help to me personally and professionally as a friend and a coach, so I really appreciate that, and I really thank you for taking time out of your day and being on my podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad to be here, and I love that you hit all those goals in 2019. That's absolutely huge. Congrats. So as I, I, as I mentioned in the introduction, you have started a 
new business, Misty Stanley Coaching. Yep. And you you kind of did some coaching before in your in your previous role with Keller Williams. So tell me what led to that transition and what inspired you to want to coach and help others as a as a full-time gig. Sure. So really when I look at my history of what I've always done, even in my time with the homeless community, I was coaching people. I didn't see it from that perspective, but when I really look at, at my past and what I've been drawn to and what I'm passionate about, it is about helping other people fulfill their goals. So I get a lot of energy from helping other people do those things. So really, once I was at Keller, and, and that was a part of my position, was coaching agents to their goals, right? And I was coached at a super high level. I had great business coaches while I was while I was there. I really started to see that this was my absolute favorite part of every job I'd ever done. And so really, it just came to the point where I was honestly getting a little burnout in, in that position. And when you take away all the pieces that you don't want to do and you just focus on what do I truly love, it was the coaching piece. So it was a pretty natural transition for me. And I can attest to that. I, I could see in our conversations, and I have, I did utilize her last year um, as a coach, which I talked about earlier, it really helped me out. But also just having conversations with you personally, yeah, I could see that you really loved to help people and you help, you love to help inspire people. So it's, it's really cool when you can see that passion in someone. And obviously you recognize that yourself. So you mentioned your work with the homeless and I wanted to ask you about that and how that came about. Was that something, it, first of all, what, what did you study in college was Nothing really, <laughs> nothing at all related to this, right? So I actually graduated um, with general studies degree. Um, I had minors in anthropology, women's studies. And, and even when I look at that, I love the study of people, mm -hmm. right? I love to know what makes people um, light up. Mm -hmm. I love to know what makes people take the actions that they, that they take. So... But to get to the homeless piece, honestly, I fell into that. I had moved back from Oregon um, to this area, and it just ha it was fate. I met a woman who introduced me to another lady, right? And they were hiring uh, for a case manager at the Salvation Army. I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, but I took, I took that job because it was a feel good job. I mean, you know, for me, who wouldn't want to help mm -hmm. the homeless, right? And so I jumped into it head first and I, I learned my position and, and I learned my manager's position and then eventually was, you know, recruited to, to LifeSpring, which was a bigger program. And so I had 20, 20 families and so we could take them in and keep them for two years. And, and the goal in that really was to help them change the, change their thinking, right? So lots of them have grown up in drug addicted homes or they're, they're out of prison or they're from the women's shelter. And so taking them in and, and really letting them envision what their future could be beyond the experience they'd already had. And so 
It was some of my favorite work, quite honestly. Yeah, that is really, really cool. So that was, you said that was a two-year program mm -hmm. where you would take them kind of from start to finish, teach them some some life skills, and then work them up and build them up to a point to where they could become homeowners. Yes. So the homeownership wasn't necessarily part of their part of the program. I just had people that had ended up doing so well that it was a natural progression for them. And I mean, you know, obviously not all of the people stayed two years and they weren't all successful. Sure. They, you know, um, it was a HUD funded program. We got to design the program. So HUD didn't say they have to work or they have to do this. But in my mind, self-sufficiency comes from learning the skills to be independent, mm -hmm. which includes how to get a job, how to keep a job, you know, how to interview, just really those basic daily living skills. And so once I took over that program, that was part of the curriculum. You had to be sober, you had to work or be looking for work. And we did regular check-ins. And, and so I lost some along the way. And I have some that I'm still in touch with. Actually, one I just had lunch with um, probably about a month ago. And she's the mom of six kids, two kids that she adopted. She's a single mom now. Oh, wow. She's on her own. She's independent. And she just started a new business. And she's she's killing it. She's still in the house. That's awesome. You know, that, that uh, she bought straight out of the program. So it's just such beautiful stories, right? That is cool. So is that where your connection to real estate came from? I was looking at that home ownership piece. I think everybody at some point thinks um, they want to be a real estate oh, agent, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, that's 100% correct. Or they think that they can be, yes. or they'd be a better one than you. Yes. And HGTV came and made it look so easy, right? You show people three houses and then you get paid. And so... Um, I was looking at that, but honestly, probably too scared to make the jump. I really was too scared to make the jump. I had talked to people and, and then one thing led to another where I found myself, you know, leaving my marriage, selling my house and the agent that we had as, um, we closed said to me, you know, Hey, Missy, I think you would be a great, a great buyer's agent. Would you consider this? And so the timing was right. And I think it was honestly having somebody else validate that I might be good at it. So I, I jumped in. Yeah. I jumped in and, and, and started. And I don't know people, I didn't know people right. here. Right. And it was, um, when the market was not good. So you mentioned something just now. You said that maybe the the fact that someone else validated that for you helped you to to move forward with that. So as part of what we want to talk about today is what happens in the brain mm -hmm. to either hold someone back or or help them to to move forward, you know, when they're scared or, or stuck in a certain place and, and want to change. Sure. Um, so in our first two episodes here, we've been talking all about career transitions and I kind of want to kind of want to use this conversation to kind of put a bow on that. So for the past year, I believe you've been really, really looking at that and what goes on in the brain and how we, how we make those decisions. So talk to us a little bit about that and, and what you have found and tell us, you know, how you may be able to help some people out there who need that assistance. 
Yeah, so so that's actually a, a pretty big question, right? Um, I, and I think one of the easiest ways um, to explain it is that we all have a story that we tell ourselves. And for a long time, my story was that I was a single mom, so I couldn't launch my own business because I needed the security, right, of the paycheck, right? Lots of people are, are stuck to that. Like, mm -hmm. they might know what they want to do inside, like internally. They might know what they really wish they could do. Yeah, it's us taking that step to, to really do it. And the brain's job is to keep you safe. It goes back to caveman days, right? It was to keep us safe. And so every time we start to kind of step out of that, the thoughts come and pull us back in and say, oh, no, you're a single mom or whatever, whatever your story is. And so when we tell ourselves this story, it creates the strategy for how we move through, through life, right? And so... Truly, that piece of it is so huge because I think a lot of times we don't, we think thoughts just come to us and we don't have any control over mm -hmm. it. But the truth is, is that once we have awareness that we can choose our thoughts, we can choose the way that we live. So we're not necessarily going to get rid of negative thinking. I actually think negative thinking is one of our greatest insights into the inner work that we need to do. Um, those thoughts is, is really where we need to spend the time. So if it's fear, then we need to look at, and my suggestion is really truly writing it down, what is the fear around it that's holding you to the place where you are that you really truly don't want to be? And what's the absolute worst thing that could happen? What was the worst thing that could happen with me stepping out and starting my own business? Well, that I might fail. Right. Right. You could end up broke. I could end up broke. I've been broke. Right. More than once. <laughs> right. And yet here I am. And I'm not broke. I actually f have figured it out every single time. You get back up and you and you figure it out. So usually when we take the time to really, really lay out what our fear is, it's not as bad as what we think it's going to be. Sure. So if I fail in my business, well, then what am I going to do? I'm going to go get another job. That's what I'm going to do. Right. right I'm right. not going to stay. I'm not going to stay down. I'm not going to stay defeated definition of success, right? It's not if you fail, it's when you fail. And when you fail, how long do you stay down before you get back up? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sure. Sometimes I think a small measure of success or comfort can be our own enemy. Because if you are in a place where you are comfortable, you're, the bills are being paid, there's a roof over your head, but you're not quite happy with life, you're not doing what you love, that's almost a trap. To where you you're scared to step out and, and do something else just because you have that comfort and that's that can hold you back and once you i think once you do step out you make that decision and step out your survival instinct kicks in and you figure out that you can do things that you <laughs> that you weren't aware of that you could do that's exactly right so the growth comes when we're uncomfortable we're not growing if we're comfortable, we're growing when we're uncomfortable, right? And so 
you know, I've spent over a year truly in a deep dive study into some what I think is interesting stuff, quantum physics, epigenetics, Mm -hmm. all all of these types of things, right? And so what science knows is that 95% of our day is, is spent in the subconscious brain. So we are just running a program and programming happens from the time third sem- third trimester until seven years old. We're getting our programming from our parents, from, from our communities, from teachers. We're taking in all of their beliefs in, in that time period, in a child's time period. It's called the state of theta. It's like hypnosis. And we're just downloading all of those programs. And yet those programs are not necessarily true to who we want to be. And yet we wake up and... Everybody does the same thing every morning, right? We usually roll out of bed the same way. I head straight to the coffee pot. All of those things, it's the, the body is automated into these habits. And we only spend 5% of our time in conscious thought. And yet we're wired to be super creative people. We're creative people. But all of these things happening, and I think especially today with technology, there's very, very little time spent by people in silence and in stillness. And it's in that time where we can get clarity of what our true purpose is and what we're really supposed to be doing. That is so true. It makes a ton of sense. And if you're out there listening, just think about your day. Think about your day-to-day. How long have you spent in total silence or not looking at a phone or not looking at a computer or a TV or or talking to someone? I would guess that it's, uh, what did you say, 5%? We're only 5 per- 5% of our day is yeah. spent in conscious thinking. I would guess maybe even less for some people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, and I know you're big into meditation, right? It's changed my life, honestly. Um, it, it has been such a game changer and not just a game changer for me, but once I really learned it, understood it, and it became part of my daily practice, this is something that you know I encourage my clients to do. Some of them take it, some of them don't, but a lot of them actually do um, meditate and manifest. And it has really, truly became, it's just become a huge game changer. I mean, I have a friend who I started teaching him meditation and manifesting first before I, you know, started with my clients and he manifested a multimillion dollar painting, you know, it's, it's unreal what we can call into our world. And it's not just about the material things. I don't want that to be the focus of it. Meditation for me has been about less hustle because I spent many years in the grind and in the hustle in that 95%. -hmm. I try to spend way, way more time now in conscious thinking creating, creating content for, you know, group programs for my clients. And that for me has created just a more peaceful way of living, right? Sure. And when you, you talk about manifesting and some people may hear that and it may scare them, oh, I'm not into that metaphysical stuff, but really think about setting a goal yes, and writing it down or telling someone that goal. And then achieving that goal, what are you doing? You're manifesting, right? We're always manifesting our reality. Whether whether you take the time to manifest or you don't, 
what I can assure you is that you are manifesting your reality. Yeah, you just may not be aware of it or may not, may not be purposeful in, in it. So I think that's a, a hugely important part, right? Because if we're not taking the time to do it, that's okay. But it comes back to that awareness of thinking. So if I'm a person who wants to create wealth and wants to cr create abundance, but a huge part of my day is being ticked off that I don't have this or I don't have that or somebody should have done this for me or blah, 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 the victim of all circumstances. And I honestly, you know, I would have told you that I would never played the victim. And I see that in a totally different light now. I was the victim of my circumstance. Nobody was holding me to a job that I was burnout in. I, I'm, I didn't blame anybody, but I became the victim of my circumstance that I was a single mom and I needed a paycheck, right? And that thinking creates lack. It doesn't create abundance. It doesn't create opportunity. We're not in our most creative state when we're in that type of thinking. So we are truly always, always manifesting our, our reality thoughts. I mean, most people would agree that thoughts create a reality. Well, thinking is manifesting, sure. right? It goes back to the old saying that 10% of life is what happens to you and 90% is how you react to it. And I, I really believe that. I could go into a deep dive <laughs> into some quantum <laughs> physics with you. I won't do that, but 100%, I believe that is absolutely, absolutely true. So for people who are looking at wanting to make a transition, right, but are too scared, the work is, is really in asking yourself the questions that you've been too scared to ask yourself. And, and I believe, like I said, writing them down is everything. What thoughts do you have that aren't serving you? What thoughts do you have that aren't going to get you where you need to go? And, and really looking at all of those things, because when we really take a deep look at it, that's when we have the power to change the thought. So the next time that thought, whatever it is, right? Let's just go back to my single mom thing, that I'm a single mom. I, I don't have to allow that to pass through my, my mind like I have before. I can hear that thought because I can't necessarily control it. I'm never going to probably stop that thought from cre creeping in. But when it shows up, I can stop myself I can witness it. So again, we're in conscious thinking and say, wait, I'm not choosing that anymore. I'm not choosing that thought. Today, I choose to believe that I create my own reality and that everything is possible and that the opportunities are endless. And when we see life from that standpoint, instead of being the victim of that circumstance, then guess what happens? We see opportunity everywhere. I think just the the act of taking time every day and thinking about the things that you don't normally think about and observing yourself. And it's not an easy thing to do sometimes, especially if you're not used to doing it and it's a part of a new process for you. It can be very uncomfortable, but like you said before, you grow when you're uncomfortable. And I think just the exercise of taking that time is the beginning of other things that you're going to do from there on. You're, you're making a decision to be purposeful about that. So now you've learned all of a sudden 
well, I can make decisions to be purposeful about other things in my life. Correct? Absolutely. I mean, once you, once you know, you can't unknow something. Once you know that your feelings of whatever, not being enough or, or not being worthy is your thing, you can't ever unknow that. And then you get to see it show up time and time again. Or if it's guilt about making money, maybe you don't make money because you feel guilty because your family doesn't make money. Like there's all of these things, right, that really do stand stand in people's way. And the clarity from that really, really just does come from asking ourselves really good questions and spending time um, working through it. I, I think people don't want to hear that. I, I think they don't want to hear that the inner work is necessary, but I'm a firm, firm believer that the inner work is 100% necessary. I'm assuming that's the foundation of your coaching philosophy and your coaching business is doing that, that inner work. Um, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are either looking for some magic bullet or some magical new way of, of doing things. And I'm sure you can find a thousand people out there who'd be willing to, to sell that to you, <laughs> but you are working on the foundation. Yeah. I, I mean, I have clients who are more focused on leadership and some that are more focused on business. And yet I, it always honestly comes back to this, right? What kind of leader are you going to be if you're not being authentic to who you are? Sure. That, and that applies to, you can apply that to every aspect of life. So it doesn't matter whether I'm a real estate agent or I'm a, I'm an executive or I cut hair for a living. It, it, it all applies. Yes. Yes. Uh, there, there's no question. Right. And so I think it's the part people want to skip because I think people love to be busy. I think people today are real obsessed with being busy. Sure. I'm not obsessed with being busy anymore. I had the hustle. I don't have the hustle now. And I love the simplicity of my life today because it allows me time to do the inner work, which honestly makes me feel more connected to absolutely everything. I can wake up every morning and ask myself, who do I need to serve today? How can I be of service? And that for me is the most important, is the most important thing, right? So yeah, I, I, I know people want to skirt around it. And I think that's why we are busy being busy because we don't want to take the deep dive into that thinking or into like to that level. But I, I do believe it's necessary. What you just said there about being addicted to being busy really registered with me because there's in the past month or so, you know, it's, it's kind of a slow time in real estate and I've caught myself wandering around the house a few times just lost, not knowing what to do, <laughs> feeling like I need to be doing something. And I try to stop and tell myself, hey, Glenn, you need to cherish this time that you have right now where you're not necessarily running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Because in a couple months, you're going to be running around like a chicken with your head cut off and wishing you had some, some time to yourself. So I think, you know, I, I could learn to to take that time that I have where I'm looking for something to do and maybe do some introspection or, or do some reading or, you know, whatever it might be to use that time a little bit more wisely. 
I think they're really simple habits that we can get into. I mean, I, we're talking about the inner work. It, it's, I mean, I don't spend six hours a day doing this. I, mean, I have three kids. Sure. <laughs> I'm not doing that, <laughs> right? But I want to go back to a point you made where you said you're just wandering around looking for something because this, the body gets addicted. This is just true science. I love the woo, but I love the science that backs it up, right? And the body gets addicted to you being in motion and to the busyness. This is why people will tell me that they can't meditate. I hear all the time, I can't meditate. I'm ADHD, I'm this, I'm that. Well, I hear you and so am I. And that is the work, right? It is the work to calm the brain, to tell your brain, "Mm, I know you're typically up and getting coffee or doing all these things, but right now you're just sitting right here. You're, you're training your brain. And when we can master the mind, in my opinion, what is there left to do? We can master anything, right? But the habits that you're, you're thinking of or suggesting, I think are very, very simple. It's a, I think it's a really simple morning routine. It's, it can be a 15 minute meditation. It can be five minutes writing in your journal, 10 minutes reading. And if you can't do all three, just start with one. I mean, there's five minute guided meditations all over YouTube. You can, you can find them super easy. I have some saved. You can just look up my name. My favorite meditations are on there. And it's, and that's how I got started was guided meditation. That's what most of most of my clients do, honestly. Sure. And if, if meditation per se, isn't your thing, (laughs) prayer, whatever it might be, taking, just taking some time for yourself and your own mind and, and focusing your energy on something. Yeah. To, to be still, right. Just to be still because your brain and your body are telling you things. And most of the time you're in motion and you're ignoring and what's going on and whatever keeps. So just like, so my coaching business, I had thought of my coaching business two years in to my team leader career. I really didn't know it, but I didn't want to pay attention to it. And I just kept shutting it down because if we pay attention to it, then we actually have to get uncomfortable and people don't want to get uncomfortable. I was scared. There's no other way to say it. Fear was the exact reason that I did what I did. I have no regrets in any way, shape or form about staying for as long as I did. I I don't regret that. I believe that everything brings us to exactly where we need to be, but it really was fear. I knew, and then it kept coming up bigger and bigger and bigger. And you eventually, I can't ignore those things, but I do think there's lots of people knowing what they want to do, but they're too scared to make the transition. 100% true. And touching on that, I, I can attest personally, when you were at your role with Keller Williams, mm-hmm. you there was a time period when you were kind of recruiting me to possibly come work for the company. And I recognized in it, you, I, I recognized it in you right away because during our conversations, you, you know, you, you helped me out quite a bit. And as I mentioned earlier, I could just see it your eyes light up when you, Aww. when you are, when you're helping people and, and doing your coaching. So I think that's a, a really cool thing that you were able to, to walk away from, from what was holding you back and pursue your, what you say is your dream. So that's, that's a, that's a really cool thing. 
Yeah, I'm so grateful because it led me to this. I mean, first of all, thank you for seeing that in me. And also, that's exactly what I want for all of for all of my people, really just for all of humanity. What if we were all doing exactly what we were meant to be doing? What if we were all willing to take the big step and start the business that we've always wanted or whatever the case may be? So lots of times people spend more time living in their past than they do envisioning their future. Mm -hmm. And living in your past really can't serve you. I, I mean, we can learn from it. We have knowledge and we have experience. But if we switch it and spend more time considering our future and what is possible, right, then we're more motivated to go after those things. So again, that's just running an old program, right? It makes a lot of sense. I know for some people who may have anxiety issues, I think some of the exercises that that they can do to help their anxiety is focus on something that they have control of instead of focusing on something that they don't have control of. And we have no control of our past, but we do have a certain amount of control of our future, right? Right. We have no control of our past. We have no control of external conditions. So what do we have control of? Only us. So anxiety only exists when there's fear of the future. So if we stay present, we're not living in the past or we're not like, if we're just right here, if I'm just right here with you having this conversation, I don't have time to be fearful of, of anything, sure. right? So I think for people with anxiety, learning to live in this very moment is really, really big. And then once they can learn that, yes, getting over the, the fear of the future, right? That makes a lot of sense. So let me ask you, you know, you talked about how you incorporated meditation into your day. You've been doing that for quite a while. Is it still, is it easy for you every day to make sure you, you take the time to do that? Or do you still have days where you struggle? So I still have days that I struggle in my meditation to get my brain where it needs to be. And the days that I struggle are the days where there is a lot of things going on. Right. And so I might have an upcoming appointment or I don't want to miss a call. And so I'm worried about time or whatever, whatever that may be. So if if I can meditate super early in the morning and I don't have any pressure around that, then that's like my golden time to be doing that. Are there days where I get out of bed and I haven't meditated? Yes, I'm human. I also have three little people. One of them's not so little, but um who I asked to hold me accountable to those things, the things that I really want to do, I tell my kids because, kid, you know, we, we tell them what to do all day long, right? And so I found that they really love to tell me what to do. <laughs> yes. And so I just have them check in with me. And they ask me, Mom, have you done your meditation? And truth, I know this is going to make me sound really crunchy, but... <laughs> Like my kids sometimes meditate with me at this point, like they're finding it to be super useful, especially, you know, I have a little one who went through a big transition um, with a school change this year. And so we would get home from school and it was really hard on him. And I would just lay down with him and we would play a guided meditation. And I don't know 
what his brain's actually doing, but I do know, <laughs> I do know that he came out of it more peaceful with less anxiety. So I don't even, I don't know that I even care what's going on in the little brain. It was a much more peaceful evening for all of us if we would do that, right? So I don't know what you're doing over at your house. I don't know how you get a kid to sit still and meditate for uh, longer than, I don't know, 30 seconds, but... <laughs> I think they see me sometimes come out of my room more peaceful. I really do think that sure. that happens. And so they they want to be part of that. And, you know, I have, I have a senior in high school. I have an 18-year-old. And, I mean, she's manifesting on a regular basis. She 100%, if you ask her how she got her new car, she manifested it. That, I mean, she called that in. It's what she needed. It's what she wanted. And she called it into her reality. So just think about the power of that. What if we, I'm getting off topic here, no, but you're fine. what if we really taught our kids that they had the power to just train their brain to produce their own reality, to create their dream reality? I think that's so so powerful. I want my kids to, to absolutely believe, I believe that is true. And when they just manifest maybe a little thing, right, they, they believe it and then they, they keep doing it. So I think it's, for me, it's become a powerful example to set as a parent, one, that I take time for myself, two, that I'm, that I do the inner work to be a better person always, that I'm willing to be uncomfortable, and that I 100% believe that the world we live in is what we've created for ourselves. Not that we're, we're not victims of anything anybody else has done to us, to, none of that. We created the world we live in. That is uh, so true, and I know you know that can, the first time you hear something like that, it can sound crazy to some people, but I, I'm here to tell you it's true. It's not magic, and I'm sure you can talk about that and, and, the, and how it actually works, but it's true. What you put out there to the world, it comes back to you, whether that's negative or positive. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, and maybe maybe I'll come back another time and we'll really talk about the science of it, but there I mean there's scientific data to back everything everything up. Everything that we're talking about and what some people would consider way too woo. Um there really is all the science to back it up. I mean meditation um I mean blind people have healed themselves through meditation. People with 50 tumors have healed themselves. I mean, there's a great, great doctor, Dr. Joe Dispenza. You should look him up. It's doing miraculous things. I mean, it's they're performing miracles. So why couldn't we create a new job for ourselves, right? Sure. And, and here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive a little bit in, <laughs> into the, uh, the deep end here too. Uh, there are plenty of studies you can, you can search and check it out on YouTube or Google it about the water molecules, how yes. they change when they're spoken to negatively or positively or certain music is played. And what are we made of? Water. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. I love that study. And the beautiful music creates these beautiful, beautiful crystals, right? And the, and the water that was played, the demonic music, is not beautiful. Sure. In any way, shape, or form, it's it's really not. I'm honestly, I'm I'm excited because I, 
I really do think that we're in the next stage of evolution for for humans. Um, and and I love every second of it. I think we every we're reaching different levels of enlightenment and I think it's it's really cool to watch and to study and and be part of. Sure. And and it's funny you say that because a lot of this stuff has been known for centuries. Yes. And it's, you know, people really used to put this stuff into practice. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it's modern society or technology, we've kind of forgotten a lot of this stuff. And and it is kind of cool when you kind of dive into it and and look at some of this stuff to see, oh, wow, (laughs) this is really cool. Yeah, well, there's so much information. I mean, you know, I kind of talked about the negative of technology that we really are, you know, not spending time being quiet and listening to intuition and things like that. But the beautiful part of it is that information is at our finger fingertips all the time. And sure. if we're not doing it, then it's just a conscious choice at this point not to be educated on that level. And I don't, I don't feel like everybody needs to be studying quantum physics or epigenetics. Like these are not words that come up in my coaching class ever. Right. But it's important to me, um, to understand because I do think people hire coaches for transformation and for change. And I think one of the quickest ways to change and create transformation is to shift your energy So when I shift my energy from being a victim to just being grateful for just consistently being grateful and and I stop thinking about what I don't have yet and I'm just right here present and today I can tell you that my kids are healthy, I have a nice warm home, I have a safe car to drive, all of these things. When you align emotion with intent That is the greatest form of manifesting, right? And gratitude is one of the greatest, it's it's one of the highest frequencies of energy. And so if that's what we're putting out, that's exactly, that's exactly what we, so, you know, I don't want to be too woo for your listeners. Um, I would just challenge people to do that, just to spend time in gratitude and when you think of the future, we, we've been trained to be grateful when we receive things or when we already have things. Mm-hmm. But what if we were grateful for the things that are coming to us before they even existed, right? What if we already felt gratitude sure. can, just consistently for what was on its way to us? We just know that it's, we just know that it's coming, that's a that's a powerful mindset that I, I I agree with you. I think that can absolutely change your whole life. Just being grateful and keeping and that's a choice. It's a it, definite choice. Yeah. And I think I mean, I don't want to make this about parenting, but it's a ripple effect, right? When you show up at home and you're grateful that you had a busy day. I mean, I've said the negative of busy, but let's look at the positive of it. It means that you're creating, right? You're, you're making, you're connecting people to homes, which is exactly what they need. In addition, you're creating income for your family so they can live their greatest dreams, right? So all, I, I mean, 
when you come home and you let go of the stress before you walk in the door and you show up at home in gratitude, your kids show up grateful. You show up at the office in gratitude, even if it's been a really crappy day, you can be grateful for the agent on the other side who taught you something that maybe you didn't know you needed to know, but now you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> sure. Then there's, there's, there's gratitude in that. You can be grateful for that. that. That's a lesson. And if we have that reaction instead of the negative emotional reaction, again, it's just controlling the thoughts. Right. And that's, and once again, you can apply that to just about everything in life. If you're, you're driving to work, you get stuck in traffic because there's an accident. You can choose to either complain or be upset because you're stuck and you're going to be late for work, or you can choose to be grateful that you're not the one in the accident. That's right. And that, it, it, it will change your life. Yes. So I want to, I want to kind of shift gears here a little bit. You had talked about when, when we had our initial discussion about this interview and I was looking up some information on your website. Mm -hmm. You mentioned um, living in a tent in Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing a curveball at you here. This is the curveball. So ball. I've got to hear, I, I have to hear this story. Well, so I was adventurous. I, I've, I'm pro I've probably always been adventurous. And before I had ki kids, you know, I didn't have a lot of fear. And so I graduated from college and um, didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I spent um, the summer before traveling out west with some girlfriends, seeing different concerts and all of these things, right? Yeah, and so um, I met who would become my husband, mm -hmm. um, who would later become my ex-husband, but that's sure. another story, <laughs> um, who I'm super grateful for. And... I, I met him and we were just having so much fun and I had loved Oregon so much. And I just said, Hey, what if we just packed up and, and went? And so, yeah, my mom met him at my moving sale. My dad <laughs> met him. At I'm the, sure that was comfortable. At the going away party. Right. And we packed up and we had no jobs. We had sold like Shocker here, a VW car, guitars, and all of these things. <laughs> so you were a hippie is what you're telling me. <laughs> and yeah, we sold it all and took a while to make it to Oregon. And then we lived in the tent until we found permanent housing <laughs> and jobs. And I loved every second of it. I mean, I, it was just, it was so fun. The summer before my, fr I had some friends out in Oregon who lived on 40 acres and they had these geo domes. And so we'd spent a lot of time. Um, I like to rough it. I, here's why I think I love to rough it is that being in nature, nature vibrates at the perfect frequency. So for me, nature is like going to church for some people. Sure. So that's where I can get real in tune with what's going on with me internally the fastest. And so, you know, I don't know if you've been to Oregon, but I have not, but I know it's beautiful. Oh my god. I, I would love to go. Yeah, you're 45 minutes from the coast, from the mountains where we lived, at least that's how it was. And so every single weekend was a different adventure to a new place and it just um 
Yeah, I'm I'm at home there. I I I do love to be out in it. I'm always envious of people who tell stories like that who <laughs> knew that they should take advantage of their youth yes. and were not afraid to do things like that <laughs> while they were young and while they were able to do that because I didn't. <laughs> well, I want to encourage you to let go of that story that it has to happen when you're young, right? Because... I mean, think about it. I was really young and really broke, which was really kind of amazing in its own way because you just are so resourceful when when that's your reality. But there's going to come a time, right, where you do have an empty nest and you can sell everything and go do all of the things. I mean, I love my kids so much, but to... I mean, you're crazy to think that I won't be doing these things. This, I don't care how old I am when they leave the house. Sure. Um, and possibly <laughs> even before they leave. Uh, I can remember telling my kids a while back that I would probably be in Africa when they were all grown. And my middle son, Silas, came home and he was like, Mom, so I talked to my best friend. And I was wondering, do you think if I lived a couple huts down from you in Africa, would that be okay with you? <laughs> I can, I'm visualizing my wife shaking her head no as she's listening to this. <laughs> okay, well, maybe yours is more of no, an that, Airbnb no, cabin really cool, kind though. of situation. <laughs> that, is one of my, uh, that is one of my dreams, to take an African safari at some point in my life. So, and that's another thing that's really cool about real estate is that it's wide open. You know, you can, you can do all these things if you really want to, if you, you know, focus and, and sell enough houses and, and, you know, you can, you're not stuck to a certain schedule. You can take off for a month if you want to, if you plan right. Um, and do the things that you need to do, you can go and, and chase those types of dreams. And that, that's something that attracted me to real estate. And, um, and I don't know where I was going with that. But. Well, I think you bring up a good point, though. I mean, if you're, you know, you're talking about people transitioning into real estate, this is definitely one of the perks. Uh, it is one of the perks, right? Or just being an entrepreneur in general, it's one of the perks of being an entrepreneur. There are many things that aren't so fabulous, right? Like you're 10 people wrapped into one in the beginning sure. of your business. You have to know a lot of different things. But, and, and so that part's uncomfortable. You're uncomfortable, but you're growing. You're growing, growing, growing. You're growing so fast. And then once you get it all stabilized, if you have set your business up appropriately, right? Then your business was going to keep going, even though you're on an African safari. It's the difference of setting up a job, having a job and setting up a business. Lots of people think they have a business, but what they truly have is a job. And sure. what I mean by that is a job, you have to be there to do it, to make money. Mm -hmm. A business, you can step away from it, right? And it's sure. still making money. And that's something I, you know, I talked to people about a lot and even my kids is the fact that you know whatever you decide to do whether you decide to go to college or learn a trade become good at what you do become yeah. an expert yeah you can start your own business you can you know 
And like you just said, you can, it, you don't have to be tied to it. Yeah. You're going to put in a lot of work and a lot of time up front, but you can build it to a point where you can turn it over to someone else and, and let it pay you. I was meeting with an entrepreneur yesterday and she actually has a, she's a really good photographer, um, in the area. And so we were talking about her 2020 goals. And I said, you know, what's your, where do you want to be in five years when we know where you want to be in five years and we can figure out where you need to be at the, at the end of this year. Right. And so in that conversation, I mentioned, you know, what would it look like if somebody bought your business? If somebody came in and she was floored, like she had never actually thought about that, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason people hire coaches, right? Or you need somebody to help you consistently think bigger. I think I, I just, I have so much gratitude for Heidi Ford and, and Craig Eberly, who were part of Keller Williams um, and for that company altogether um, because they helped me think bigger because I was running the programs of the place I grew up in, which is a very small town place where people really didn't own small businesses, right? Mm-hmm. It's a rural community. So we got to get outside of ourselves and seek those people out who make us think bigger. Sure. And that going back to the whole co- coaching thing, you know, I was, I was one of these people who, and I told you this two or three years ago, I, th- I thought the whole coaching thing was just a big scam. <laughs> I was not the type of person who would even think of hiring a coach. But, you know, just the part of it that that gives you someone to be accountable to, that is a huge deal. Yeah, and you were talking, you were talking about, you know, um, goal setting and things like that. And I was reading last night, right, that 54% of people's New Year's resolution, I can't remember exactly, but they'll be gone very, very quickly. But if you have somebody, an accountability person, whether that be a coach or a friend or whoever it may be. Or your wife or your kids, like you talked about earlier. Yeah, right. Um, You're 65% more likely to hit your goals. So if you're not in a, you know, coaching is an amazing thing. And there's lots of different ways to do it. If you can't afford a one-on-one group coaching, whatever the case may be. But if you are just getting started and you really don't have that piece of it yet, then grab somebody who is not your best friend, who is going to call you on your BS and say, no, you just didn't do what you needed to do, (laughs) right? Every single week. And you just, you have it in your calendar every single week, whatever it is, Friday at three o'clock, it's your accountability appointment or your call with your coach or your, your conversation with your wife where you're checking in on, on your goals. That's, that's how we start the year <laughs> with goals, and then we end up at the end sure. of the year meeting them. And I, I can tell you, Misty's a very nice, sweet person, but when I was doing my coaching sessions with her, <laughs> I did not want to show up <laughs> and and have to say, no, I didn't do this this week. <laughs> there's another, There, It's a next level, especially. I will say there's something different um, that happens when you've paid, because obviously, you know, I have a coach. You feel differently about it 
when you've paid someone to hold you accountable and to help you hit these goals and you show up and you didn't do it, you don't just feel like you're letting them down. You feel like, like I felt like I, I feel like I'm letting myself down, my kids down. And I'm just thinking about all the things that, and you know, shame and guilt are not an energy that I want to spend a lot of time in. So I'm much sure. more likely to get that stuff done. Yeah. It just feels different, doesn't it? It does. It does to have someone else, you know, yeah, we all we are we all hold ourselves accountable to some extent, but we can we're not going to tell anybody if we, don't, <laughs> if, yeah. if we don't do what we were supposed to do today. But if we if we have someone else who knows what we were supposed to do and and who's holding us accountable to that, it's a different story. At least for me, it is, and I'm, I assume it is for most people. So, I wanted to ask you about um, a coaching series that you have. I don't know if it's already began or if it's coming up. It's called Life on Purpose, group coaching for women. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? So that one has actually already already passed. I oh, did okay. that one um, last year, but I have a new series coming out that is going to start January 28th. And so I'm just starting to get that up and out with um all the details on it and so this is going to be really kind of focused on what we were talking about here today really understanding what our programming is like really digging in to say oh wow i adopted that for my parents and that's not actually what i want for my life my parents taught me that you know money wasn't for us or whatever. Like there's a lot of blocks that come from stuff like that. So we're going to do a deep dive into programming, how to really move past that, how to set new programming. Um, We are going to talk about meditating and manifesting. And so it's, it's a blend really of the science behind um, all of those things and how we can really truly implement it in in a simple way, right? Like I don't want to, I never want to overcomplicate things. And, and I just don't believe that people are going to do inner work for two hours a day. Uh, That's not possible for most people. Uh, People aren't going to do anything for two hours a day (laughs) most of the time, unless it's, you know, maybe watch TV or or surf the internet. (laughs) I know. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. We'll spend that kind of time in somebody else's world. And yet not do, not spend that kind of time on ourselves. So I'm really, really excited about this program. Yeah. So it launches on the 28th. I'll send you a link. Yes, um, please do that. And and that way you can put it up with the podcast or whatever. And it's going to be, it's a group, it's a group setting. So we'll do a Zoom call because I really want the interaction of all the participants in the group. Um, it's one thing for me to sit here and say this. It's something totally different for maybe, you know, if you've just become, if you've just started meditating or manifesting and you're having success with it, or even to understand programming, a lot of us get similar programming, but, and we can see it in others before we can see it in ourselves. So it's really, um, deconstructing the, the subconscious and moving into more conscious thinking. So we have a consistency around the thoughts we're thinking and we know how to choose them, um, to serve us. 
So real quickly, and not to put you on the spot, and I, um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but you, you've mentioned programming mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. and breaking that programming. In your mind, what is the number one thing someone can do to start to break that programming? I think asking yourself what thoughts are serving you. What are the thoughts that you're having that are not getting you closer to where you actually want to be? And really writing, writing those down and understanding, okay, this is the piece. Like this, if I never think um, that I'm enough, or if I think it's not possible for a single mom to make enough income, right, as an entrepreneur, well then, but my true, my truth is that this is what I really want. Well, we can't get there unless we really pay attention to that piece, Mm -hmm. right? And really dig into that. So I think, man, if everybody would just, if you listen to this and you start just having awareness of thought, I think that you're a step closer. Yep. I would agree. That's, that's kind of the first step, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Misty, I really appreciate you sitting down with me today. Um, if people would like to reach out to you about your coaching, they can check out your website at mistystanleycoaching.com, correct? Yes. They can find you on Facebook, Misty Stanley Coaching. Um, I believe you're on Instagram as well. All true. All true. Uh, my website is not up to date yet, <laughs> so don't pay attention to that. But honestly, um, yeah, just a direct message from Facebook or, or Instagram, either one. Or maybe email misty at mistystanleycoaching.com. Is that, yeah, is that a good email pro- address yeah, to reach you Yeah, that's probably the best way, actually. Okay. Yeah. Great. So I, I really would encourage you to reach out to her if... Um, you feel like you need some help in your life, whether it's it's in your personal life or or in business, as you can tell just from listening to our conversation today. She's a great person and she's great at what she does. So Misty, thank you so much. Thanks I for appreciate having it. me. Thanks for having me. And I hope to have you on again sometime soon. I'd love it. All right. Have a great day. Bye. All right. I want to thank Misty once again for joining us today. What an awesome guest. I hope to have her back in the future and maybe a recurring role here on Putting the Real in Real Estate. I thank you for listening once again. As always, you can catch the show at puttingtherealinrealestate.com or any of your favorite podcast platforms. We are now on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts, as well as all of the other major outlets. You can reach me at glennhockersmith at schulerbauer.com. That's Glenn with two N's. On Facebook, at Glenn Hockersmith Realtor. Instagram, Glenn Hockersmith underscore Schuler Bauer. Check out my listings at glennsoin.com or glennsellslouisville.com. And as we head out today, I am going to leave you with a beautiful bluegrass song that was written by a fellow realtor of mine at Schuler Bauer. His name is Mike Bainline, and he gave me permission to use this song. And I I hope you check it out. It's a wonderful song. You can find it at outboundmusic.com. It's one of the featured songs right now for Believer's Choice. And it is called Bluegrass Mountain Home. Have a great day, everyone.
traveled all around, but no place have I found a land quite as lovely as my own. Once I get back there, I'll never leave, I swear, my bluegrass mountain home. Lately in my dreams, I hear an angel sing an old familiar song. That sweet melody keeps calling me to my bluegrass mountain home, to my bluegrass mountain home. Life was at its best where I laid my head to rest by that stream where the evergreens grow. Living in the pines gave me such peace of mind. Why I left, I'll never know. Lately in my dreams, I hear an angel sing an old familiar song. That sweet melody keeps calling me to my bluegrass mountain home. To my bluegrass mountain home. Sweet fragrance fills the air And moonlight dances on the dew I long to hear the leaves Rustle in the breeze And walk on grass of blue Lately in my dreams I hear an angel sing An old familiar song That sweet melody Keeps calling me To my bluegrass mountain home to my bluegrass mountain home, to my bluegrass mountain home.